Welcome, Impactful Parents. It's time for the Impactful Parenting Podcast, where I give you parenting tips and resources to make you a more impactful parent to your school-age child. I am your host, Christina Campos. Uh, One of the things that I've been talking about recently um, in the Amigos Club as we're mourning of what happened to our young children um, is that we put a lot of pressure on uh, the teachers and parents to make change and to identify these troubled kids. But I really want to stress that anybody can identify a troubled kid and anybody can reach out to a kid that they think is having difficulty and make a difference in their life. In fact, parents um, are one of the, even though they're one of the most influential people in the teenager's life, that's also not the only person. And sometimes kids just don't want to listen to their parents. So it could be a coach, a community member, anybody. It could just be you who really can make a difference in a kid. And if you see some of the warning signs that we're going to be going through today, take note of that. Talk to that kid. Reach out. And I'll tell you, their first reaction is probably going to be like, hey, no, forget you. I don't want to talk to you. And that's okay. Okay, they're not, maybe they're not ready to accept some help, but what they are going to do is appreciate that you reached out with your concern. And even though teenagers act like they're all tough, I'm telling you, (laughs) they roll their eyes, but their ears are open and they are listening to you. And it really does matter. So ignore all that frontal stuff and really go out there and make a difference in these teens' lives because um, they can use it. They really, really can. And so just you know, ignore the front sometimes that some teenagers have and and just get past that. Um, What I like to tell adults that get rejected by offering help to teens is just leave the door open, say, okay, you may not want my help right now, but I just want to let you know that I'm here if you need me ever later on. And you just leave that door open and um, that's going to be really important. I'm going to have Rodrigo introduce himself and then we're going to go ahead and get started with some of these warning signs. Welcome, Rodrigo. Rodrigo. Hey, uh, good morning, good afternoon to everybody that's uh, here on stage with us. I just wanted to thank you all for coming and and really just listening. And if you have any questions, always we welcome people to the stage. But I really want to make sure that we talk about these possible indicators, because obviously with a tragedy that just happened, uh, that, that really hit home for a lot of folks. And I think it's really important, besides all the talk of why it happened, what happened, and this and that, how can we prevent it? And I know a lot of people talk about, oh, doors, oh, guns, oh, more this and that. But how can we prevent our kids, especially our young men, from subscribing to these philosophies and these ideas where they eventually commit these tragedies? Let, let's just be real honest, y'all. It's young men. It's, it's after shooting, after shooting, after shooting. It's young men. That, that's the one common correlation among all these kids. So why is it happening? And that's why I want to tackle this uh, this uh, issue, this 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 uh, prioritize what's happening, and really get down to the bottom of it with Christina and Dolly. Uh, Christina obviously is a parenting expert, Dolly a bullying expert, and myself when it comes to working with parents, co-parents who have separate homes for their kids, and how that can how can that can affect their kids because this child right here, this kid. And, and look, y'all, I, I get it, okay? People are going to say, oh, he's a monster. And this is, okay, get, I get it. You can describe him however the hell you want to describe him. But at the end of the day, we failed a kid. We really did. And that's why it's important that we have this conversation so we don't fail other kids. And so I, I think it's really important for, for, for us to have this conversation, this timely conversation, and, and really talk about how, what are we doing to prevent this from a parent standpoint because i really in the bottom of my heart i really feel like at the like at the end of the day it's all about the parenting and the support systems and the help that we can give our kids when they have things that they're not able to handle so so i just wanted to stress that christina dolly thank you all so much for 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 being here as always leading the charge and and yeah let's talk about it and what I want to start with really is just the, um, I know we say it over and over again that teenagers are wired differently, but truly they are. You guys, a teenager's brain is still actively developing and therefore the process, they process this information differently than a mature adult. That frontal cortex part of their brain 
is used to manage emotions and make decisions and reason and control inhibitions. And it's restructuring during those teenage years. So forming, it, it, it's, it's changing all the time. And while the whole brain does not reach full maturity until you're, in, you're at least in your mid-20s, this is why we don't want our kids to um to start well we don't ever want them to start using drugs but it is so much more important not to start early because that really does affect their brain brain chemistry and i don't know the sim the the chemistry of what was happening with this unfortunate young man who made these really bad choices but uh that's something that is a possibility and it can alter brain function so just want to make people aware and then not only that but teenagers read emotions differently um because their frontal cortex is not um it's it's still working so we as adults use our parental uh, cortex to read emotions but teenagers they actually rely on their amygdala which is a different part of their brain responsible for emotional reactions and <laughs> research shows that teens often misread like facial expressions and when they're shown pictures of adult faces that are expressing different emotions that teens will misinterpret a lot of the of facial expressions as angry. So when we say that our teens are super moody, okay, yeah, they got all those hormones. But I just also wanna make you aware that a lot of times they think that the world is against them because their emotional part of their brain, when they're looking at people, they're reading a lot of people wrong. Um, and I and I don't think a lot of that's very well known. I wanted to start with that as something like, hey, tidbit, they read people wrong. So unless you have a huge smile on your face, if you just like on your normal face and you're just like resting or you feel tired that day and you're interacting with a teenager, they literally will look at you and say, they don't like me. Oh my gosh, you don't like me today. What did I do wrong? And they will misinterpret that. And so it's something to be aware of. Um, and one of those first warning signs of why um, teenagers become so defensive and angry because they're reading you wrong. And I don't know if my co-mods, I wanna pause there for a minute, if they've seen any of that um, working with teens before. Yeah, I have definitely seen that. And uh, I remember every time I always, like when somebody, a teen says to me, oh, my teacher hates me and I'll ask them why. And it's, it's so funny because you're right, you know, they really do misread people's um, body language or sometimes even the tone. And I've even been present during some of those interactions with say an adult and a teen. And the teen will tell me, did you hear that? You see, he's very mad at me. And what I heard is completely different. It's like, no, not really. That was just, you know, somebody telling you, hey, you should do this. Um, so it's almost like they're on a defense mode a lot a lot more than not um and of course that all that is heightened when something's going on in their lives and they don't even realize that they're doing it so having those conversations with them is important to say hey you know i noticed that when this happened you you interpreted it this way but this is what i saw what do you think about that instead of saying hey you were wrong that's not what so-and-so was saying to you or that's not how they said it to you, you know, because then they feel like, oh, just totally invalidated. And then they don't even try to keep an open mind and, you know, replay that scenario in their head and see how maybe they could have interpreted it wrong. So it's a challenge and I think it takes a lot of skill and a lot of patience to be able to um, have that conversation with them and say, hey, let's reevaluate let's do you really think that that's what happened but at the same time you don't want to ask in a way that they're going to doubt themselves right especially when it comes to um for uh reasons of safety because i one of the things that i always tell kids is like follow your intuition but you also have to teach them to not overread and you know it's different and intuition is so different than um, being on defense mode all right and then um another warning signs that you might see in a typical teenager versus a troubled teen is um the changing of appearance and i think we see that um we see that in kids where something is changing 
So your typical teenager, you know, fashion's important and they like to wear, um, wearing proactive and attention-seeking clothing and they like to dye their hair because they're trying to figure their stuff out and um, they might want a tattoo, who knows, you know, their, their fashion is going to change over time. But the warning signs of a troubled teen are a little bit different. So the changing appearance could be a red flag as if it's accompanied with problems at school or other negative changes in their um, behavior, like maybe they're cutting or doing self-harm or they have extreme weight loss or extreme weight gain. Those are all warning signs when it's coupled with how they're looking and how they're changing their appearance. So be aware of that. It's a, that's, a, that's a red flag. I know um, after Columbine, immediately there was an image to what these kids would look like, what a trouble team would look like, right? And if I say that word, these kids from Columbine, do you have this photo in your head of what that looks like? And um, if you don't, if you're not familiar, it's um, the the stereotype at the time. I still don't. I don't know if it's still there, possibly, but it's it's kind of like kind of looks like Neo from The Matrix. If you've seen that movie, where it's the long trench coat and they're wearing black, or maybe they painted their fingernails black. It's kind of gothic looking, um, and that is not necessarily that's a stereotype of what a trouble teen might look like. Could a trouble teen look like that? Sure, of course they could. That is what Klebal and I forget the other guy's name, McCollumbine. Um, that's what what they wore. So now it got labeled that way. But just keep in mind that it could be any big change in appearance and how your child might be looking or how you see a kid looking if they're starting to take a shift. And again, I'm going to go back to it doesn't have to be your kid, right, guys? It doesn't have to be your kid. It could be any kid that you're aware of. It could be a niece, a nephew, a, a grandkid, a neighbor. Um, something to keep them aware of. I'm going to go ahead and close the mic again to my mom. Yeah, no, those are great points, Christina. And and before I get to those points and, and respond to them, uh, really, before you even do all this and you start talking to your kids about this, lay the groundwork for good communication, y'all. One of the worst things we can do as parents is not communicate with our kids. And then we will want to communicate with our kids, expect our kids to communicate back the way we want them to. It's not going to happen. Okay, if you do not have a good, successful dialogue with your kids, if you don't have a relationship where y'all are open to talk to each other about that stuff, trust me, when you come up to them and you see them changing their attire, uh, changing their moods, there's a swing in their attitude, they're going to perceive it as an attack. They're going to perceive it as, uh, uh, oh, no, you know, now he wants to talk to me, this and that. Absolutely is not going to work because your kids are already on the defensive. So the first thing we have to establish is having good communication. What does that mean? That means, yes, taking the time out to ask your kid, hey, how did it go at school today? You know, oh, th this and that. And yes, they're going to tell you sometimes, oh, it was fine. And then get back or this and that. You keep asking them those questions. You know, be, be, be involved in their everyday, day-to-day -day situations. And let them know that they can talk to you about things without you being judgmental, without you holding it against them. You know, if there's an issue or whatnot, talk to them because whenever you're going to have these difficult discussions, it's going to be super hard to have them if you don't already have that foundation. So uh, well, Christina and Dolly just mentioned right now the points that are making, they're absolutely right. But before you can even do that, you have to have a good communication. Uh, it's important because kids are looking for trust. Okay, you can tell them a hundred times until your face is blue. You could trust me. I'm your friend. You're the only person. I'm the only person you need. And da da da. But they have to feel that. And the only way they're gonna feel that is if you've established that trust. I know my dad. Look, my dad again. I always refer to my dad. Great guy. Had a lot of faults and stuff. But my dad demanded me to trust him. When the hell has that ever worked? Okay, when somebody comes up to you and says like, no, you're going to respect me. Tell me what's going on and this and that. No, they're going to shut in. I shut in. I didn't share with him. So I went through a lot of stuff myself, you know, uh, 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 situations at school, uh, emotional uh, uh, feelings, all this other stuff. And I couldn't share it with him. I never shared it with him. And so that's why it's really critical to, to establish that base, make sure that we have a foundation where we can talk to our kids and our kids can talk to us freely and openly about these things 
my son and I, we, we literally had a conversation last night. The last few nights we've had conversations about what's going on, about what has happened. And he, and, and again, these are open conversations. We talk about a variety of things. I'll bring them up as we're having this room. But going back to what Christina was talking about, you know, uh, changes in their mood and their attire, you know, it, it doesn't have to be like, hey, uh, hey, I saw you wearing a black shirt yesterday with black, what's going on here? It doesn't have to be like that. You know, if you've already established that foundation, you can say, hey, I see you got a new shirt. What's going on here? What's go what's up with that? Something not, you know, not non-invasive, something that truly you're trying to get to the bottom of it, that you sound actually interested and not judgmental. Because again, if your kid is going through something, you want them to share something with you. You don't want them to ball it in. You don't want them to, to just leave it there and let them form their own narrative to somehow resolve those feelings in their own way. Obviously not every single kid does this, right? But we don't want our kids to go to a measure where they are doing things. Uh, Christina, you mentioned earlier about cutting. The, 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 the young man that committed this tragedy, that the, the murderer that did this had exhibited signs and had told his friends that he was cutting. He showed his friends that there were the scars and his cuts and everything. And they told him, hey, dude, stop it. If his friends saw that, at some point, you're hoping that if you have a relationship with your kid, that you'll see it too. I pick up my son all the time and we play and we, we talk. And last night, last night we were having burgers. I made homemade burgers. I'm, I'm looking at him. It's not like I have to inspect his arms. Let me see your hands if you're cutting. No, it, you will know. If something's off, if my son is wearing long sleeves, long sleeve sweaters here in the San Antonio heat, it's 93 degrees outside, something's up. You know, again, I don't have to go up to my son and tell him, hey, let me see your sleeve. Let me, you know, this and that. No, eventually you'll see it yourself. But when you have a good relationship with your kids, when you have good dialogue and there is communication there, those things will naturally come to you. They will talk to you about these things and you'll notice it. And if you do see cuts, if you do see something, an outward sign, yes, tell them, hey, uh, I, you, you got you got a cut on your arm. Um, what, what's going on there? You know, are you are you okay? You know, and when you come across that way, they're not gonna see it as an attack. They're gonna see it as like, you know what, my my, my mom, my dad, they care. And again, and, and like Christina was saying, it might not even be mom and dad. You might see a kid yourself that you have a relationship with. You might tell them, hey, are you okay? Oh, I did not know that about the shooter, Rodrigo, um, and that he was cutting. And just like Rodrigo was mentioning, um, they typically teenagers will do two things. They'll they'll show their ki their friends their cuts because they're, it's a cry for help, but they won't show adults. So having even open communication with your child's friends is also a good idea. And I'm not saying to be invasive, but to be welcoming to the friends, to be nice to their friends so that if the friends feel like they could come to you also um, in times of their own trouble or trouble with your child, uh, that they feel like they could talk to you because you're a welcoming, nice person could be really um, a game changer and a turning factor. Another thing um, I didn't, geez, I just did not realize that he was cutting out is so sad is just like Rodrigo also mentioned, look for the covers of like, they'll, they will, they'll, Cutters tend to be embarrassed about their cutting, not with their friends, but to adults. They they hide it. So uh, instead of saying, let me see your arms, like, like exactly, you're not going to say that. Um, but look for that unusual behavior instead of it's really hot outside. Why are you wearing, um, uh, you know, a sweatshirt and why are you wearing a hoodie? And yeah, you're wearing hoodies every single day, kind of, okay, every single day. And today is super, super hot. Um, you know, that might be a red flag for you to look at. If you invite them to a pool and now they don't want to go to the pool because they don't want to get into something that has less clothing, that could be a warning sign. And don't forget, cutting does not always happen just on the arms. It happens um, actually more often on the legs, in between the thighs, like on the thigh areas. Um, those are the places that are actually much more common than on the arms or on the wrists. I know that's a stereotype to say arms and wrists, but um, it's not always there. And even um, 
instead of cutting, a lot of kids right now are picking. They're doing they're they're pickers. They they find something and they're just picking at it until it becomes a significant wound. And that also could be a warning sign that they're having some trouble. They're picking at something and they're trying, maybe they don't have the the willpower in them to to take a razor and slide it across their arm, but they'll pick at something to a degree where it will leave a scar. It will, it's bleeding. There's, there's some cuts there. So just other things to think about. Um, a, a typical uh, teenager behavior um, that uh, everybody will see is teens beginning to seek independence. So they'll butt heads with you and right. And they'll argue, but a warning sign of a troubled teen, the difference is a consistent escalation of arguments, um, possibly violence, um, skipping school, getting in fights, running with the laws. That's the difference between your typical teenager behavior and then this more troubled teen. So keep that in mind. And I'll go ahead and close my mic to my mods. Uh, Christina, I. I uh, I feel a little awkward sharing links around this this young man, this killer, because I don't want to glorify or, or, or do anything like that with his name. But at the same time, we need to figure out what happened here so we can learn from this and really help our own communities, our own kids, our own family, the, the teens, the young men really that are around us. And like you said, the, the cutting he was performing was actually on his face, okay? Uh, if you read several articles about what happened, again, spot on tip that you just gave right now. It talks about he, he, he became increasingly more aggressive, more violent towards his coworkers at the Wendy's that he was working at. People were noticing the behavior, his change, the demeanor, the way he was acting out. There were clear signs that something was going on. You know, who, where, what, who was talking to him? What was happening? Who knows at this point? But there were clear signs. And like you said, when, 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 you know, especially young men, again, we, we I'm just going to call it out, y'all. It's young men, okay? Virtually every single mass shooter has been a young man, okay? What is going on here that's driving them to these, to these, uh, these issues that they have to act out like this? And one of them is acting out aggressively and not being called out for it. You know, uh, when you read these articles and the employees from the Wendy's talk about it, you know, oh, he was uh, harassing uh, you know, some of the young ladies. He was uh, very mean towards some of the employees that were there. Uh, when you talk, to, when they talk to the neighbors, they say, oh, he was getting in fights with his mom all the time. You know, that, that he was yelling and this and that. It, it just leads you to believe, okay, there's something is going on there. There is some aggressive behavior that needs to be accounted for what what's happening and the lack of a support system that he had compounded that because he had nowhere to go to talk to about that right now in our own communities there might be a young man like that you may recognize a young man that you know what man i've seen this kid before and now he's acting differently something's going on this and that we don't know their stories this young man for example uh, didn't live, uh, had uh, had his mom, was not living with his mom anymore, was actually bouncing over to his grandma's house and had a stepdad. His biological father was not not, not really in the picture. There's a lot of things here where these systems of support that we need to have to, in order to support young kids, our daughters and our sons, but especially our young men were absent. And this led to a further decline and a further erosion where this young man, this murderer committed this tragedy. And that's why it's so critical to understand what are the signs. And, and not, not again, not to idolize him or to lift him up or any bullshit like that. It's about understanding why he did this, where he came from, what were the factors, and ultimately applying those lessons learned to the young men in our community. I'm going to go to our next uh, warning sign, which is, you know, mood swings and typical, okay, typical teenager behavior, hormones, developmental changes often means that the teen's going to experience mood swings, right? They're irritable. They're crazy creatures. They really are. Okay. But troubled teens, troubled teens, this is rapid changes in personality. They're falling grades, persistent sadness. They can have anxiety and sleep problems, depression, bullying, of course. 
Um, and there's probably an experimentation with drugs and alcohol. And now the typical teen is going to experiment with drugs and alcohol. They really are. Typical teen will. And vaping. I should add vaping in there too. Um, but your warning sign of a troubled teen is going to be your alcohol and drug use becomes habitual. It's going to be accompanied by problems at school and problems at home. And it could indicate a substance abuse issue, really, where it's going beyond experimentation. And now you have substance abuse. And that's a really big indicator. Um, I don't know, Rodrigo. I haven't heard or haven't been doing studies on this kid. But my guess is that, I mean, at the bare minimum, he was a vapor. I just, I would, that would be my guess. So I, um, I kind of want to go back a little bit to what Rodrigo said, because I feel like it's super important because I think uh, not speaking about it is kind of like glazing over the fact of like what he said, that the shooters are mostly men or boys or young men. And um, Rodrigo also mentioned that he, this, like this latest shooter, he didn't have the right support system. And um at the core of it, I think that we really, really need to understand and, and take mental health very seriously. I do know that there are children out there who are kind of going to the like extreme spectrum of it because, you know, you have the two ends, right, where you don't care about mental health, you don't believe in it. And then where you go to the extreme of it and everything, everything becomes like, oh, my mental health. Right. So I hear both when I speak to parents and um and it's scary because, yes, there are some children who are going full on like the opposite of the spectrum. And they're like, oh, my gosh, everything's, you know, because my mental health and I'm depressed and I think I, I need to be diagnosed. I must have something. But just because they're saying that doesn't mean that you should um, ignore it. It's um, important to take your children and get evaluated if needed. And if you feel that that special person, like say a, a family therapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist um, is not really grasping what's going on, or you just have that feeling that maybe they're too quick to put them on medication and they haven't given other alternatives a chance, um, then um, seek help from somebody else. Get different um, opinions from different specialists because there there are some professionals out there who do believe okay well all teens are dealing with this so I'm just going to put them on this medication the parents should, should go ahead and follow that my instructions um, and um, it, it, it's okay to also tell your child like hey you know uh, do you think that maybe you just have been hearing too much of this and now you're maybe concerned that you might have that same condition that you hear people having because sometimes kids they're like oh yeah maybe you have been consuming too much of that and you know what the news if they're consuming it all the time especially like the, uh, twitter which it has become so popular with children um youth they so many youth on twitter reading all this negative stuff and uh, some kids are uh, are saying things like, the world is just chaos. I don't understand why we even exist. Humans are so awful. So these feelings of hopelessness, right? So pay attention to those words that your children are saying. Well, you know, one thing I want to add, though, that you remind me of um, is that, so if you have or you see a really violent teenager, that could be super scary. Like, it's, it is freaking scary. Okay, let me just tell you this. They're... Um, boys tend to be um, angry and aggressive. They throw objects, they kick doors, they punch walls when they're angry. And girls are much more expressive verbally than they are physically. So if you have an angry boy, they are more to take action with you versus a girl is more likely to talk back to you. But that action, if you're a single mom, could be really scary when your son's a teenager and they're probably bigger than you are. And that's scary. So another thing I want you to remember is that you know, definitely go get help, first of all, if you're a single mom and you're dealing with something like that. But anger can be a challenging emotion for teenagers because they just there's so many other underlying emotions under anger. There's frustration and embarrassment and sadness and hurt and fear and shame and vulnerability. 
And boys don't want to be vulnerable, which just makes them even more angry. So, and then they lash out even more. It's this kind of horrible, vicious cycle of feelings that um, boys can internalize and then not know how to deal with. So what do they do? They act out and they get aggressive. Not all boys, but it happens. And um, so I just want you to remember when you see an angry boy, that boy is not just angry. They're also scared and they probably feel like nobody sees them. There's a lot of hurt feelings in there. Anger is just this top emotion that we visualize and underneath all that emotion there is so many more and that's what we need to start peeling back these layers with these boys to get to those emotions and allow them to express them so that this doesn't happen again because it's all that frustration that they're feeling that they don't know how to express and they don't know who to express it to and they don't feel like they even can that is bottling up until you get an explosion. And it is so sad to me. So when you see this angry boy, I just want you to remember, you're just looking at the surface level, like the iceberg on top of the water. Underneath that, that's what you need to get to. And how you're gonna get there, I mean, of course, like Rodrigo said, it's communication, it's connection, and it's love. It really is. Love is what is going to counteract all the negative shit because the body wants to heal. The body wants you to love it. And that's really the, where this comes down to. This kid needed to be loved and he didn't feel like anybody loved him. I don't know why, I don't know his situation. I don't know what was going on, but that would have been the combating thing. And it's too bad that a lot of our boys are feeling like this. Uh, Christina, I, I, I love that point. It, it is so important that we understand that there is a distinction between the way that uh, 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 young young ladies and young men communicate their feelings, how they are able to express themselves. My, my son and I literally, literally just had this conversation last night and we were talking about that difference and how it's so important to acknowledge that difference and why, you know, these young men are out there doing this, you know, horrific uh, tragedies, these acts of violence. And as I was talking to my son, he, uh, you know, and I'm really, I'm just, I'm just gonna say, I'm very proud that my son was like, I just don't get it, Dad. You know, how can they? How can, how can he not talk to somebody? And I, and I explained to him, I said, a lot of boys are built up. Look, I'm talking for myself. Latino culture, we are built up to suppress our feelings, right? We're, we're machos, we're, we're, we're tough guys, and we don't cry, and nah, fuck that, you know, we're going to do this, and we're going to show them we're fucking tough, you know, and this and that, and what ends up happening is a lot of young, young men don't know how to handle those feelings, and like you said, Christina, they express it as anger, but there's something behind that anger, and sometimes we don't take the time to figure out what's going on there. There's nobody that has that support system for these young men to really counter those acts of violence with love, which, hey, what's going on? How, how are you doing? When I see my son, uh, I, I got my son a punching bag. And when I see him with a punching bag, Christina, I already know. I already know my son is, is releasing stress. He's releasing frustration. He's releasing anger. I let him do his thing. He, he finishes. He's happy or proud. It's a fake uh, you know, smile. He takes a shower. When he gets out, I go, hey, so what's going on, bro? What's up, Papa? And he opens up. I, I, I he, he does this and it, it's so, it's almost like clockwork. It's a routine, but that's the way he's managing his stress and his anger and his frustrations. And I'd rather have that, you know, punching back. Cause he's that, like you said, Christina, that's how a lot of young boys, young men, they need to release that, right? But they still need to talk about it afterwards. They still have that feeling. And so it's important that we have that communication and that we allow kids to, to express themselves. Because this, this, this young man obviously had a lot of pent up frustration, a lot of anger, a lot of resentment, but they didn't have any way of letting that go. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fucking shame that we, we let him down. Well, a lot of folks let him down. You know, I, I, I'll say one last thing, and then I see that Dee is up on the stage, and I appreciate Dee for coming up, and I want to welcome anybody to come up so we can share the, the, our experiences and what we think and really get down to this and hopefully build a better understanding so we can help these, uh, these, these kids 
but specifically these young men with what they're going through. It's uh, Didi, how are you doing today? Hi, everybody. Uh, Christina Dali Rodrigo, thank you so much for for emphasizing this part, especially Rodrigo, when you talked about the cultura, because um, you're right. Uh, the only, sometimes it seems like in our culture, the only acceptable emotion for a male Latino is anger, right? Because they can't um, express the other emotions because they're seen as quote unquote weak um, or not man enough. And um, uh, my late ex-husband uh, had a childhood full of horrible, horrific trauma and was brought up the same way where you cannot express those emotions. Nobody wanted to hear it, but anger was acceptable. And unfortunately, <clears throat> as a young man, this, this was before I knew him, but unfortunately as a young man, he took a life and went to prison for it. And while he was in prison and then when he got out 17 years later, had to start doing the work of unpeeling those layers where that anger was misdirected grief. It was misdirected um, hurt feelings from the abuse that he endured as a child. And but but it's hard to bring that in awareness. And this was back in the 80s um, where these mental health services were not. Uh, prevalent or they weren't talked about and they were stigmatized. So thank you for talking about this topic. I want I to add one last thing before Christina uh, takes it over and gives us another topic. And that's that's the fact that what you just mentioned, Didi, a lot of our parents, a lot of our, our the men in our cultura have been brought up this way in surviving, right? And they, they have, look, they have loving hearts, but they don't know how to love the right way. They only love the way that they know how to love. And it's super difficult. My dad, I mean, a super tough guy. Real, I mean, when you see him and approach him, I mean, he's the type of guy that shakes your hand really hard if you're a guy. You know what I'm saying? He, he's, I mean, just machismo oozing out of him and never cried, always had this tough ass look, tougher look than the one that I have on my avatar. But when my dad drank, man, the tears would flow out and he'd have so much pain and, he, and he'd have so much hurt. And it sucked that my dad just cannot get over that upbringing that he has, that he can't really share his feelings the way he should share them. And the way he probably wants to share them because he feels so tied to his identity of being the tough guy out there. And we can't let that, we can't let that happen. We gotta be honest with ourselves and, and really it's incumbent on us to change that and it's going back to Christina her la her very first room parenting better than our abuelitas we, we it's incumbent on us to be better parents and prepare our kids to be good parents as well yeah guys I mean I'm speechless this is all so important stuff and it's it's things that we need to work on we need to give our boys space to to express themselves. And that also leads me to the next thing is if you wanna help your um, your troubled teen, whoever they are, you actually have to um, give them space to do that. And a lot of times we don't, we don't give them space. And I don't mean like, oh yes, we accept all the feelings, but to have that opportunity where you sit down with somebody and say, hey, I see something's going on, you know, what's, can I, can I help you? And listen, just listen. So many of us listen to respond and that's just bullshit. We need to just listen so that they can get their feelings out, creating that space. And then let your teen have space to also retreat. I know that we complain about, oh, my teenagers are always hiding in their room. Okay. Part of that is good. And the other part is, is it too much? So there's a balance there, of course. But allowing your teenager to have that retreat, to have that little space and privacy is really actually a very good thing as they're going through a lot of shit themselves and experiencing a world that they are navigating um, and learning on, on their own. So if they, to give them that space, I'm allowing you to say, it's okay to give them that space. Now you don't want them hiding in the room all the time. And that's when you want to step in and, and make sure that they're not too lonely or they're not hiding, over hiding and getting anxious, but give them that space. And my last warning signs for you guys is we've, um, as I talk about this, and I've said mo a lot of them already, we've talked about um, 
about changing in appearance. We've talked about aggression. We talked about drug use um, and all those things. But also, you know, if you see your child playing with weapons of any kind and experience, uh, experimenting with them, um, this could also be something that you just want to look out for. It does not necessarily mean you have to intervene hugely in because a lot of times it'll start small. It'll start with like, let's say a six to nine year old who finds um, a knife, um, a pocket knife or something, and they just want to, you know, kind of dig with it. And part of it is curiosity. And the other half could be, it could be playing and kind of experimenting with um, a weapon. And then, of course, that increases over time as they get older. So, um, and we all hear a lot right now with, oh, blaming the video games. Okay, Rodrigo and I have had rooms on video games in the past. We don't, we're not anti-video game here, but there is there is some validity behind a lot of very violent video games and desensitizing. Um, so that's just another thing you just want to think about, be aware of um, as we go through this. Um, and then threatening of others. Be a, pay attention to how your child is interacting with other people. And I'm sure Dolly. Um, could also step in with this is how, how are they bullying people at school? Are they feeling so out of control in their own life that they're trying, they're going outside of the house and trying to gain control somewhere else at school, maybe in their relationships. And they're just being way too aggressive with, um, with their friendships, with the people at school, because they are so out of control inside that they don't know how to express it. So what do they do? They go out and they bully. So I'll stop right there. Yeah, and kids that hurt, uh, that were hurt in any way, um, like, for example, bullying, we all know that they join, they, they feel like, okay, if you can't beat them, join them. Um, so it's really important to also watch those behaviors and, and listen to how they're expressing about incidents that they observe at school. You can learn so much from your kids just listening to them tell you about, say, a fight at school or among friends because um, It'll give you an indication of maybe how they would handle it. And then even ask them, you know, I was like, how would you have handled that better? You know, what, how would you want somebody to, to respond to you if you were the one that, you know, did that? Because kids need a lot of direction and they also need to know that, say, if they give you an answer like, oh, I would have punched them in the face. Um instead of having a response of, well, I would beat your butt or, you know, you better not do that. Instead, just have a calm conversation and say, well, you know, do you think that that's the best way to, to handle that? Because think about the repercussions, you know, what are the, the um, you know, for every action, there's a reaction. So what reaction would that yield you, you know, like, how would you feel about that, that consequence? Um, because they have to also learn that, impulse gets in the way at this age and they have to uh, be aware of it so that that doesn't uh, dictate like how they're going to react in the moment and then they'll regret it because a lot of these kids they've already been victimized and they're just trying to survive and of course violence with violence is not the answer a sadly a victim who has been bullied for a long time and then they just get fed up and then they end up using violence to defend themselves they end up being re-victimized yet again sometimes in a harsher way i do know that sometimes it works i know that sometimes you've been bullied and then you just punch them in the face one time or something like that you know and it'll stop but guess what it doesn't always happen and now schools are becoming which is ironic because they're becoming more um, harsh with the uh, the punishment, but usually from what I'm seeing on the wrong kid, the kid that actually needed the help. Uh, and they're waiting until things have escalated too, too far. Um, and, and one thing that I always tell parents is, you know, if you don't know how the school manages these situations and how what it is they're doing to keep your child safe you you have every right to ask you have every right to ask the school psychologist usually handles any type of bullying or anti-bullying programs um 
the PTA or the principal handles any type of workshops, education work workshops for the parents to learn how to work best with the school for, for anything, whether it's academic or social emotional type of things. Um, and one thing I also wanted, I just have to add this about the clothing, because Christina, you mentioned it. Um, when kids start coming home with new attire, keep in mind too that there's a new tactic of, um, well, maybe it's not new, but the looks are new, um, of gangs. So when kids, and I, and I learned this years ago, the attorney general of the state of Maryland came to one of our school districts and gave a big workshop about this, how about how recruitment is happening. And these kids are sometimes being befriended by a kid, giving them like, say, a new pair of um, jeans, because they're like, oh, this is extra. My mom gave it to me, but here you can have them. Or like shoes or um you know like a hat and especially if it's a certain color or certain sports teams they're slowly grooming they're slowly bringing in your kid to this gang affiliation thing without them really realizing it at first and then next thing you know they're being kind of like um blackmailed like hey i gave you that so now you have to do this for me and then the kid gets angry they feel like they can't say anything and then they act out so keep that in mind too because oh man kids it's i i don't know i see it as it's so tough to be a kid nowadays because there's so many different pressures um that are uh follow, they follow you at home because of those devices that you carry in your hand right so um i just wanted to add that too thank you you know, I wanted to end our room with some of the preventative things that we could do um, to to prevent this for the next time. And one of the things that I want to start off with, because Rodrigo just said it and it was like, yes, is he was talking about how his boys um, have a punching bag. And one of the things that you can do is help your teen find healthy ways to relieve their anger. And that's huge. Again, they don't know how to do it automatically. So not only are you leaving space for them to to talk and express their emotions, but actually show them how they can express their anger. And it might be that you're role modeling that and showing them how you express your anger, how you decompress and exercise and all that stuff. You got to like emphasize that when you have exercise in their life and all those things, and you're showing them that it's great to punch out the bag or whatever you want to do with your kid to, to show them that huge differences in how they'll be able to express themselves when they do come into these volatile situations where they just don't know what to do with all that emotion and they just can't and they're so mad and now they can express it constructively instead of go out there and be violent do you guys have any other ideas of how you can uh what else can we do for our kids to prevent yes. this <laughs> i actually have had my kid um one of my older kids she asked if she could take some bottles and break them against our wall because we had a, a solid um, brick wall in the backyard. And as kind of like the same version as a rage room, which is another option. And it's a thing now where different cities have rage rooms and they have different setups. Like one of them, like it can be electronic devices and you take a bat to it and you just, just to let off, let off the steam. You can also take them out to the batting cages, you know, because, you know, um, hit some balls with that, um, that the bat. Um, uh, I love um, the one that Rodrigo said, because my, my father actually used to do that. He, I remember he, he brought like the pair, the body bag, the gloves, and my sisters and I, we would take it out boxing. It, it was, I, I loved it. That's my favorite one. Um, or also, of course, sports is always a good thing. And also even just a run, just like go for a darn run, just let it all out. And if you're and have your child choose what method instead of you telling them, like, go, go hit that ball or, you know, <laughs> um, because the whole point is to just let them get it all out in their own way. And that way they feel like they're more in control. That's all. Yeah, no, I, I agree with all of that. It's important to let your child choose how to, that they like to relieve their stress. Uh, I mentioned the punching bag. Uh, I've taken my son to the shooting range. You know, I don't want him to fantasize what it is to have a gun. I want him to know how it feels. You know, I, I'm a pro 2A guy, you know what I'm saying? 
And what I mean by that, that I mean like, hey, I'm okay with folks having guns. You know what I'm saying? I'm for reasonable legislation and all that stuff, right? But I think people, you know, it's okay to have guns within reasonable measure. I don't want my son fantasizing about the guns. And so what do I do? I've introduced him to him. He had a BB gun when he was little. You know, I told him about, you know, shooting safety. I, the very first thing I did was got mad at him. Cause you know what he did when he got the BB gun? He immediately grabs it like he's, you know, fucking John Wayne or something and is going to shoot something and pointed it actually at me, you know, by mistake while swinging it around. I scolded him. It was a great learning lesson because he realized, oh my God, you're right. I'm wrong, blah, blah, blah. Little kid. Now when we go to the shooting range, it's nothing. We play Call of Duty. We play Grand Theft Auto. My son knows he doesn't fantasize it, but there's no gun fetish or anything like that. He just understands it's just part of it. You know, it's, they, they can be useful. They could be fun, X, Y, Z. But at the end of the day, my son relieves the stress and we have a good time and we talk on the way over there while we're there and then when we come back. And it's really key, y'all, what Dolly said right now, it's really key. Let your kids choose this. We've talked about this before, Dolly, right? When we tell our kids, okay, hey, we got a, a date night or we got, hey, uh, uh, mommy, daddy, I mean, uh, da daddy Sunday or daddy mom, the daddy daughter day or mommy daughter day, but whatever, right? You let them choose, let them choose where to go. It's not gonna hurt you to go to a damn park for a couple hours. Cause like, I remember this Dolly because you said this and it like stuck with me cause this is so me with my son. You go to these places, your kids are gonna be droopy, but then they're gonna have fun and then they end up talking to you. They end up saying something like, yeah, you know, I've been having problems with this kid at school and they just open up. Why? Cause they feel safe. They feel comfortable. They feel like you're actually interested in what's going on in their lives. They feel like you are actually invested in them. That's what kids want to feel. They want to feel secure. They want to feel safe. Like they can actually open up to somebody without getting judged, without immediately getting reprimanded, without you coming over here and saying like, oh, really? Oh, that's weird. Oh, toughen up. You know, this and that. They don't want to hear that shit. They want to be listened to though. They want to be listened to and appreciated. And if you do that, they will actually be open to whatever suggestions you have. Okay. And this has happened to a lot of my clients and myself personally. When you talk to kids reasonably and they feel that you're being transparent and you're being trustworthy and honest, they literally will take what you have to say into consideration and will follow it. It's as simple as that, y'all, because this whole, I'm the sheriff of this town and this and that, man, we've been through that. A lot of us on the stage have been through that. A lot of people that are listening right now have been through that. And we know what we ended up doing. We ended up doing, for the most part, whatever the hell we wanted. And some of us got lucky, some of us didn't. So it's really important. Again, I can't emphasize it enough. Let your kids lead you when it comes to them relieving their stress, because it, it, it's it's really for them. And you're there to be supportive and create a space, create a system where they'll be able to relieve that stress, whether it's a punching bag, whether it's movies, whether it's them reading a book with you, whatever the case may be, let them determine that stress reliever. Yeah. And, and I want to add to that, Rodrigo, um, the, the going to the shooting range. I've done that too. I mean, with my girls. Um, and I think that kids also learn to respect also the power that uh, you can have with something like that, just like laser tag or any of those um, games. Um, and I just want to mention this because I know that there are a lot of people that they're like, oh my gosh, how could you take your kids to, to go do that, especially with all the stuff going on today? Well, it's all about how you present it. And just like any other conversation, if you talk about it, like whispering, like there's something wrong with it, then they're going to think something's wrong with it. And they're going to, um, they'll they'll be more tempted to uh, misuse it because remember whatever you stigmatize for a child or whatever you say no don't do that they're going to be more curious and you don't want that right you want to take that curiosity off and just have, you know show it to them and like the rage room right like some people are like oh my gosh how could you take a kid to a rage room doesn't that just um, re-emphasize that sh they should be angry no, it's all about how you present it. You know, we all do certain things to let out steam. And if you do it in a positive way, in a healthy way, and you tell them this is just to let off steam, there's nothing wrong with it, then your child will be just fine. And they'll learn to um, 
you know, do something with that, those emotions instead of letting the emotions control them. Because that's what really what you're doing. You're teaching them how to take control instead of those emotions controlling them. That's all. A hundred percent, Dolly, a hundred percent, because our kids, we can either, either they'll be desensitized towards guns or they'll be desensitized towards school shootings. Yes. Which one is yes, it going to be? Yes, exactly. Are we are we going to are we going to have them be okay with with being around guns and just feel like hey, guns are just guns? Or are we going to be like, "Hey, mass shootings are just mass shootings." Which one is it? I would rather prefer that my son doesn't dream about guns and actually realizes, "Okay, here's a gun. There's nothing to it." You know? Last point, Dolly, 100% when my son first shot his first gun, the real gun, really. We were at the shooting range that kick, that kickback, oh my God, he couldn't believe it, and yeah. he respected the hell out of that gun. He, he, I, to, I, I told him, I said, "What the fuck did I tell you? I tell you, square up, put your feet down, and, and aim properly." And this, you, you think it's a fucking video game? It's not, Papa. He goes, "No, yeah, you're right, Dad. I'm sorry." Rest of the time, we had a fun time. And now, when we go over there, he respects it. He knows the rules. He knows what it takes. Does he? Does he like them? Yeah, he does. But he doesn't fantasize over him. He doesn't fetishize over him. And he's not one to be saying like this and that. Oh, yeah, I want I want to go online and buy guns immediately and do that. No, 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 no. He has a healthy respect for guns. And hopefully he carries that out to be a responsible adult when he's older as well. I love everything you guys are saying. It's so great. Um, I'm going to add that one thing that parents don't think about that helps prevent kids from being uh, emotional is uh, feeding them right. Feed your kids right. It makes a difference in how you and how they feel about themselves, their uh, mood, all that stuff. And, you know, if you're feeding them crap, they that's where the, a lot of those hormones and stuff can take over. You actually have to feed them well. It's really important um, as we're talking about preventative measures before we end our room today. Um, so feed your kid good. And another thing would be, you know, um, there's there's a lot of trauma that could come from to the brain when our kids uh, have head trauma and that head trauma we need to take uh, seriously whether they're playing football and they're getting one too many concussions or rugby or whatever other thing that falls that they do um i know in our latino culture sometimes especially with our boys we're like ah you get up come on shake it off and but really if it's a if your kid gets hit in the head that is something you really need to look at people because it really they could seem fine right now but then as our brain starts to develop it could be a problem in the future and you don't think about that that the concussion they had when they were five could affect them when they're 15 that they're not thinking correctly or have a skewed point of view along those same lines the same kind of trauma when a uh, birthing trauma so pregnant women taking care of themselves um all of these things like if a if a woman is doing drugs and alcohol while she's pregnant, that actually does affect the brain chemistry of their baby. So things to think about in those prevention ways of why things, why it just happens and it's so horrible, it's so sad, but uh, those are real, real things that I want to make everybody aware of. Christina, I'm so glad you said that. Um, here at the university that I work at, we have criminal justice faculty that did research they worked with some of the public health faculty to look at uh, maternal health and how it impacts the um, variables that contribute to criminal behavior and so they actually were working on a study i don't know if it's been published already but looking at that same thing you think of fetal alcohol syndrome and you think of how some of these other like you said the impact of drugs the malformation of the frontal lobe and how the frontal lobe impacts impulse control and so many other things and not just the frontal lobe um, you know disorders with the corpus callosum that white matter that connects both the right and the left brain hemisphere um, so i'm so glad you said that well, you guys, we are a little bit over. Is there anything else you would like to add? My mods, anybody want to come up and add yeah. some last things? I just want to add, um, you know, with all the shootings and stuff, because it wasn't just one that happened the last week. It was actually several. Um, don't avoid talking about it with your children, because sometimes that hurts them even more. Check in with them. 
be gentle and let them do most of the talking. Just ask them like, hey, how do you feel about everything that's been going on lately? Um, and ask them, are, do you feel scared? How can I help you feel safer? Uh, is there anything you want me to ask the school about your safety, you know, the, the safety measures that they have in place? Because remember that when children know that there's a plan, they feel safer. And also talk to them about, you know, if something were to happen, you know, what is the plan between you and I? Because I know that the school is going to call, right? The schools are always going to call as soon as possible. But kids just want to know that there's a plan and avoiding the conversation is not going to help because they're just going to imagine every horrible thing possible. And you want to make sure where their mindset is, you know, how, how much are they thinking about it and how can you help them feel safe? Because that's really all they need. That's all. That's a great point, Dolly. And that's something that we're always stressing here in this room. And I stress with my clients. I, I spoke with one of my clients yesterday. Um, I, I personally have been affected greatly by this tragedy. It, it really consumed me. It's still consuming me, to be honest with you. And, and, and I'm just trying to make sense of everything, right? But my client and I, we ended, up, we ended up speaking for five hours. I mean, just amazing conversation, just talking about stuff. I, I only charge an hour. <laughs> That's probably all the, but one of the questions was, how do I, how do I tell my kids about this? And I always tell folks, be honest about every situation, because if not, and if you don't talk about it, it's still going to be there and your kids are going to develop their own narrative. They're going to figure something, they're going to figure it out on their own. And it could be influenced by their friends. It could be influenced by YouTube videos. It could be influenced by social media, uh, another relative, whatever. No, be honest with it. It doesn't matter if it's your divorce. You're going through a pending divorce. Yeah, it sucks. And yeah, your kids are going to be hurt. But be honest with them. You don't want them to feel like they're the reason that, they're, that you're getting a the divorce. Th there was an accident that happened. Be honest about the accident that happened. Yeah. You know, hey, I fucked up. I messed up. And this is what happened. And here's how I'm learning through this and this and that. Because you want your kids to know what happened and to be feeling safe and secure that they have the right information. So don't avoid these topics. I, I told I told my class, I said, no, it, it, meet, meet it square square in the eye. Tell them, hey, so what do you think? You know, I mean, are you and your friends talking about this? Or what do you think? And this and that. I had that conversation with my son. And one of the things that my son said is like, man, I can't believe, he, you know, how weak he was. And I said, slow down, slow the fuck down. What do you mean how he weak he was? Well, yeah, yeah. And my son started talking about memes that are on the internet. And he started talking about like, well, I read on Instagram, this happened and this and that. And then I explained to him, I said, man, look, Papa, yes, he killed those kids, man. He's a fucking murderer, man. Terrible. But what led him to that, man? And then we started talking about support system. We started talking about how privileged he, my son is to have a good mental health, a, a good mental health, a state of mind where he can handle traumas. He had a breakup recently. He's handling it. You know, he, he's, I, I don't, I don't feel he's depressed. He, he doesn't, he tells me he's not. And I see him. Yes. He gets a little, you know, off kilter and he punches his bag and this and that, but he's learning how to deal with it healthily instead of just simmering there and not, not talking about it. When he broke up, he, he came to me and he literally told me, dad, I need a hug. And I hugged him and you know, he told me he broke up with his girl and yada, 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 right? We need to let our kids, our young men know that it's okay to talk about this shit. That, it, that they have a safe space to talk about stuff. So yes, and in my last point that I wanted to do, that I wanted to share with everybody is I posted a link in the, in the chat right now uh, from the Daily Mail. And, and uh, they're, they're talking about, there's an interview, it's a whole article, but there's actually a, a video of the stepdad, the, 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 the young man's mother's boyfriend of the stepdad. And I, and, um, and I, want, I would really appreciate it if y'all would see that. Just look at that. And you realize that a lot of these parents are not equipped, man. They're just not ready. They don't have, they, they love, they, 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 you can see from the video, the guy's pained. He, he's, he's confused. He doesn't know what's going on. He's like, fuck, man. 
I didn't see anything. But can we really, really honestly and truthfully depend on someone who doesn't know how to show that love, who was raised in the same toxic environment that my dad was, that a lot of our parents were? Can we depend on these folks to raise these kids? It's fucking tough. My dad grew up with a survivor mentality. That's the type of love that he gave me. That's why I have to eat every single taco I have, even when I'm already full. By that scarcity mindset. It's all these things that have been, that, that, that are passed through generationally through our the knowledge, the wisdom and the love and our DNA, everything. And it comes to this point. And so some of us are just, you know, it's just difficult. It's difficult. Do they have hearts? Yes. I'm positive this kid had some love somewhere. It just wasn't nurtured. It wasn't nourished. And 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 and, and honestly, there's a ton of kids like that. They, they 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 don't see a way out. And it's really incumbent on us to do our job as much as we can within our local communities, at least, to reach out to these young men and ask them, hey, are you okay? And start that that foundation of communication where they're gonna feel safe that they can share how they feel. Because right now, a lot of these kids don't feel safe. And instead they bottle it up and they start subscribing to these philosophies, whether it be an incel culture, whether it be white supremacy, whether it be the, the loss of men's rights and all this other shit that's going on, they're, they're losing it. And instead of us confronting it, we're, we're like, no, they'll be all right. Ah, I see my son. Yeah, he's a loner. He's on his Xbox all the time, but he's cool. He, he gets B's and C's. We, we got to be better parents, y'all. And, and if not for our own sake and our own kids' sake, at the very least for other people's kids, because the way we raise our kids does have an impact on our community. And, and we're seeing this right now where, where this young man, this, this, this monster, this monster, man, just killed these kids. So that, that's all I wanted to share. And I'll leave you with, it starts with us. Um, I know right now we're all trying to point fingers and blame and whether you're, you're blaming guns or you're blaming that kid or you're blaming, I don't know, whoever you're blaming, that's a natural reaction um, as our brain is trying to make sense of this horrible thing that we can't make sense of. Uh, blame goes first in our bodies, but really, it all starts with us. You can make a difference. You can reach out to a kid today, whether it's your own or somebody in your community, a neighbor, a nephew, a niece, whatever. Reach out to somebody, make a difference in their lives. Make a connection with a kid and you will change the world for that kid. And then eventually you'll change the world for the world. So just instead of pushing blame, let's just everybody take action. If we all had an opportunity to make that connection with one kid in this world today, everything would be different in our world. It really would. But we we are busy. We're adults and we, we get into our things and some of us aren't parents. And so, you know, we're busy. Ah, no, that's bullshit. And it's an excuse. Make the time to reach out to a kid today and you're going to see dividends come back to you a million times over. So I hope that you come and join us again. Until next time, you guys, you got this. Thank you for listening today. Remember to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. And don't forget, the Impactful Parenting Podcast is an extension of the Impactful Parent community. Go to the Impactful Parent website and download the free Impactful Parent app so you don't miss a parenting tip that can help you and your family. Thanks for listening today. So go to theimpactfulparent.com and see you next episode.